This week, the last leg of Canada before we make it up into Alaska, the Stuart Cassiar Highway onto Whitehorse, Yukon. This is RV Miles. This fall, L.L. Bean wants to help you feel great out there with gear tips and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. On a chilly hike, it's the littlest comforts that make a big difference. One small addition to your hiking pack is a hand towel that you can use to make a clean seat anywhere. It's a fraction of the weight and size of a camp chair, and it turns the dirtiest rock, log, or stretch of ground into a perfect seat for a quick rest. For more tips, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com slash guide. Welcome to episode number 296 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two RVers who, along with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to our national parks, and a whole lot more. If you are watching this on the YouTubes, um, <laughs> we are coming to you from our apartment for the very first time. We don't and to have this be uh, a place where we record very much, no. <laughs> but it is out of necessity that we are. Y'all, we, we're in our kitchen. Like, the, uh, we're in our kitchen. The background behind us is the most well put together <laughs> part of the, uh, the apartment right now. We are in front of our little dining room hutch. Yeah, look at um, all of my coffee mugs. <laughs> Note for the audio. All of my coffee mugs are finally on display, at least all of the ones that have been moved over here. Yeah, that's from, not all of them. No, that is not, not even all close to all of them. Not There's all of like them. There's like 10 back there, and you've got 30. There is a, more than 10, <laughs> and there are not 30 waiting. There's like 29 and 11 up there, so it's fine. But this is uh, our dining room, actually, that we're sitting in for today as we continue to make the transition from moving out of the Saber and moving out of the Ibex because, yes, we had stuff in both, uh, as well as all of the things that we have had stored with family and in our storage unit, getting that all over here, and then searching for studio space and space that we can build out for RV Miles, which uh, we are going to go into more detail on on Detour, which is uh, our after-the-show podcast that we do for Mile Marker members, Mile Marker Plus members. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what what does it mean to have an RV Miles studio. Uh, but first, we need to have an RV Miles home. <laughs> it feels like we have stuff in more locations than ever right now. It's I, weird. Um, but it, by it, the end of this week... I think it will mostly come together. Yeah. And we will be able to live in Arbor. We are not staying here yet. No, we're, we can't. We don't have mattresses yet. They yeah. should hopefully be here by the end of the week. Um, and that's the thing. Uh, until we get the mattresses, we can't be in here. And it does feel like every time I take something from one space, something fills that space. Yeah. It just doesn't ever seem to be ending. I feel like I'm a hamster on a wheel that just keeps moving. And all that's happening is I'm getting really, really tired. It's mostly <laughs> just, boxes. So it's, many it's, boxes. It's mostly boxes. So many boxes. <laughs> but we're really excited. It's This has been a really great transition for our family. It's really nice to have both of our RVs, like to have the family back together because, you know, the Sabre and the Ibex are family. And so it's nice to have the family back together. We're all in one space. We're figuring it out. We're really excited for the future, especially as I alluded to earlier, that studio that is coming hopefully before the end of the year. Uh, It's just, uh, it's a really tremendous time of change. And daylight saving is not helping the situation either. Wow, why are we still doing that? I don't understand, but here we are. Uh, but yeah, there's there's just a lot going on here. But we're we're excited for all of it. It's good change. Change yeah. is good. It's important to continue to grow and change and have new seasons. And we are definitely in a new season over here personally, which we're talking a lot about over on our wondering family, which is our um, kind of 
family-focused content that we do over there just really digs a little bit deeper into our lives as a family. And then, of course, what you're seeing here at RV Miles as well. So part of that change is not so fun, uh, winterizing (laughs) the RVs, and we had to do two of them. Uh, and we had to do it pretty quickly because the by the time we got back here, the earliest freeze up uh, was happening very quickly. So and then a week later, it was seventy degrees. Yeah, because why not? Yeah. You're in the Midwest. That's what we do. But we did go through and winterize both of the RVs, and you know it's not something that we've had to do a lot, but we have had to do most years because we often will spend a few weeks in like the Kansas City area and here to visit family uh, and move out of the RV over the sort of Christmas time. And we've, we've winterized several of those times. Yeah. I think last year was the first time we had never winterized one of our RVs uh, through the end of the year because we were, we were Christmasing, we were holidaying in Palm Springs. We had sort of, we had sort of started to do this thing where we would just after the holidays make a beeline for that Ox Ark campground Uh in Arkansas and that was sort of the first place we could dewinterize. Yeah. But uh, we are winterized, and I wanted to give a few tips for those. I'm sure most of you are winterized if you were planning on doing it, depending on where you are in the country right now. But I wanted to give you a few things to think about that you might have forgot about um, if you've already winterized or if you're about to. These are just non-water system things mainly to to think about. And one is remove batteries from everything. Get the batteries out of like remote controls and everything. Batteries can corrode when they just sit in things not being used. So go ahead and pull those out. Um, Don't forget to drain your water heater. That's a big one that people often forget and those water heaters explode. Uh, (laughs) Don't forget your outdoor showers and hose lines. If you forgot those, go back and do them. Especially sort of like if you've got an outdoor kitchen with a sink line out there, we've seen people have lots of problems with those because they forgot to run antifreeze or blow them out, whichever you do. I just want to point out that you did say who's. (laughs) (laughs) And I would like you to keep it in. You did say your outdoor who's. Oh, and it feels very much like hose. you live in Indiana, but that's fine. <laughs> There's an imaginary W in front of it. Uh, Who's? <laughs> uh, close up your stove vents. If you don't know, a lot of people don't even realize this, is that the, the vent that opens up uh, over your stove to blow air outside uh, it, it has a door on it on the outside. Now, some of those is a flap that just works on the air pressure. <laughs> yeah, which and, we've heard many a time in the wind. Some of those just snap closed, and you you want to snap that closed to uh, keep critters from coming in there, keep insects from flying in, that sort of thing. Uh, and you should do that whenever it's in storage. Don't forget to leave your refrigerator open. That fridge will stink if you do not leave it open. Trust us. You definitely want to keep it open unless it stays on. So in the Ibex, we're on solar all the time because it's stored outside. So the fridge can stay on in there mm-hmm. if we want. But not um, in the Saber. The, but not in the Saber be because the Saber. We, don't, we stole the solar panels and the batteries from the Saber <laughs> for the Ibex. Yeah. Uh, but when you open that fridge and freezer and it's going to thaw out some of the ice that's built up in there you can just stick a towel in there and let that ice melt onto that towel but make sure to go back and remove that towel or it will get moldy and gross and you don't want that and don't forget a lot of things freeze i feel like this is a real specific uh point that you put in here i almost yeah, feel like I, you're talking to me and i don't, I don't no, know how i feel I'm about it i don't know it. just keep going because don't, don't forget that a lot of things freeze that aren't water uh-huh. including alcohol <laughs> they just might freeze at lower temp so we've this is a thing that we've seen several times yes. over the past where people are like why let's not use rv antifreeze in our water lines use Vodka. Cheap, cheap vodka instead. It is such a bad idea for so many reasons. First of all, I think people are worried that like RV antifreeze is poisonous. Um, it's not. It's it's not great to have in like large quantities. But guess what? Neither is vodka. Um, but it is a it is a food, I mean, it is a food ingredient that's used in thousands of foods. Right? Vodka is every bit as much of a poison. <laughs> but vodka actually freezes at negative thirteen degrees. Mm-hmm. So. Besides the fact that it's going to cost you a lot more money to use cheap vodka, it's a bad idea just for that reason. On top of that, don't disrespect your RV like that. 
Don't put cheap vodka in your RV. That's just, I, honestly, yeah, give us, give I it, mean. Give it, the, give it the good stuff. God, if you're going to do anything, give us some Cheetos. You know what I'm saying? Three gallons. Right, go get some Grey Goose. Like, come on now. <laughs> so those are just some quick ideas uh, that you might not have thought about, about winterizing. You know, just make sure your RV is really comfortable and happy for the winter. That's right. Again, remember, it's part of the family and you want that family member happy so that when it's time to get back out there and start exploring again, you're ready to do it. And this is a really great one because we had talked a little bit about not doing this. We thought, is it too late in the season Mm. to go ahead and have these reminders and just chat? And what we reminded ourselves about this is that we're all trying to camp a little bit further into the season now. A lot of us are really trying to extend our RV life earlier, beginning a lot earlier than Memorial Day and, and keeping it going way past Labor Day. So if you're like us and in the past, you may not even be winterizing until you get somewhere into December. You know, yeah. and by that time, you know, it's it's a it's a quick turnaround. It was always a quick turnaround for us, a quick turnaround to winterize and then a quick turnaround to dewinterize so we could get back in there. So I think any time of year, it's just really good reminders that there are other things besides pouring expensive vodka or <laughs> or winterizing antifreeze into your lines that you need to do to make sure that your rig is ready for whenever you are ready for the next camping season. Don't forget one more thing here to pour some antifreeze down the traps, whether you blew out your lines yes. or, or you use the RV antifreeze, the, the stuff that comes through the lines isn't enough to drink, to empty out the drain traps underneath the sinks and your shower. You want to pour some down there and you want to keep some poured into your toilet as well. I can't wait to get back into the RV. We are talking about trying to do a little bit yeah. of winter camping, which would mean we would keep the rig winterized. Yeah. But maybe do a little bit of winter camping here in the area. I think we're going to do it. We have joined the ranks of those of you that that are sad in the winter and mm-hmm. can't camp much, but um, I hope yeah. we can get out there and do some winter camping. Yeah, because we're just not going to be able to yeah. take the RV with us to Tampa this year yeah. it's we are just, going to the tampa rv show we, so we should say that so if yes. any of you are going to be there it begins january 16th um we hope we'll be there for the first couple days of it we won't be there all the way through the end of it no i so, think we're leaving i by thursday we yeah. need to go back and get our children so we're going to be there for the first couple days of the show we are hoping to put together an event off-site that will get us all together so if we don't have a chance to run into you during the event because it's just I know it's so busy and so crazy there and we're all trying to see a, a thousand things and do a thousand things we are hoping to have an off-site event it'll be just like a sort of a meetup at a restaurant oh, yeah. or something don't so chill so don't don't like you know don't make plans to go there just for us. Yeah, it's so chill. I mean, but make plans to go there just yeah. for us, but also make plans to go there because <laughs> hopefully there will be good food and there will be others yeah. as well that you would like to run into and see. So we are working all of that out. If you want to kind of keep updated on when that's going to happen so you can make sure to mark that off on your Tampa RV show calendar, just go ahead and join our mailing list. You can go to rvmiles.com slash mailing list. That's going to have all the information there as well as next year's 2024 homecoming which we're already planning and going back to Amana in October we're going to be putting tickets on sale for that much sooner because we know that so many of you really like to plan out your full year and we want to make sure that you can include the RV Miles homecoming if that is something you're interested in so just head over to rvmiles.com slash mailing list get on that mailing list and that will be the best way to keep up to date with all of these really specific events we have planned all right, we're very excited to get back to talking about our travels up to Alaska. It's been a few weeks, so yeah, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Stuart Cassier Highway and Whitehorse Yukon. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by the Park Wolf app. Ever found yourself in the heart of a national park, surrounded by beauty, but unsure where to go or what to see? That's where Park Wolf comes in. Park Wolf is the ultimate app for exploring national parks. As you drive, the GPS shows you what's coming up on the road, and an audio guide will fill you in on what's there so you can decide if it's worth a stop for you or not. Gas running low, looking for a bite to eat or a bathroom break? Park Wolf's got you covered. It keeps track of the nearest gas station, restrooms, food, and pullover areas. And the best part, it works without an internet connection. 
And if you're a wildlife enthusiast, you'll love ParkWolf's wildlife maps and sighting notifications. So before you set off on your next national park adventure, download the ParkWolf app for your iPhone from the App Store. It's your ultimate guide to national parks. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes. A full line of weight-distributing hitches. Adjustable ball mounts and a new line of fifth-wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. We're back and we're here to talk about the last leg of our journey through Canada right before we hit Alaska. And this is the Stuart Cassiar Highway and then a little bit beyond that onto Whitehorse, Yukon, which is really a decent sized town and one of the last places before you go to Alaska to really fuel up and get all the things at the grocery store and stuff like that we we got the oil changed and all that kind of thing all that good stuff it's yeah. actually the capital of the yukon territory so yeah. there's a lot of really cool things that you can explore there as well to learn more about this area of canada we, it's it's also like 90 percent of yukon residents live yes in whitehorse yes. so it's the capital but it's also where everybody is <laughs> <laughs> but what's amazing there is there's and I know this is has real no bearing on our travels outside of the fact that when we were, we were there twice on the way out and then we stopped on our way back which we'll talk about later. They don't have, you know, for being the capital, uh there's no movie theater or anything in Whitehorse, which I know you're probably thinking, well, Abby, that's so silly. Why would you care? But I just that really stuck with me because I remember on the way back there was a movie, I think it was Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. that Jack was really wanting to see. Yeah. And, you know, we thought, well, we're going to, we'll pick that up in Whitehorse because we're going to be there for a few days before we continue this crazy journey back to the States. And I just remember being like, well, that's so interesting that this is the capital. 90% yeah, of the people town. live here. Yeah. And I could be wrong. There, and I apologize I, I if I'm there, wrong. I think but, there is like a two screen small type thing and it might have been closed or I, something, and it might, I think it, it might have like, been second yeah, run yeah. but anyway I just thought that that was really interesting and I kind of thought it was cool that this is you know so when you think of a capital yeah you kind of think of like everything right and yeah. here it was just no this is really all that we need in order to be successful here in the Yukon and I I just thought that that was really an interesting and kind of cool fact but long before we hit Whitehorse we we're on the Stuart Cassiar Highway. We talked about Stuart before. We loved the Stuart Hyder area. The Stuart Cassiar Highway really sort of begins just before Stuart. Um, this is one of two routes up to Yukon and, and Alaska. So you either take the Stuart Cassiar Highway or you take the Alaska Highway. It used to be called the Alcan and technically isn't anymore. It's the Alaska Highway. Um, so lots of questions people have had of us ab- about taking the Stuart Cassar, whether it's better or not. And so we've taken both now because we took the Alaska Highway back. Mm-hmm. And eventually the Stuart Cassar meets up with the Alaska Highway. But this is a more rural route. They're both rural, so it's kind of yeah, weird to say that. Yeah. Uh, but it is a little bit more remote. There were plenty of pull-offs. That, mm-hmm. So to give you an idea, this whole section we're talking about today is about 600 miles um and we didn't really do a whole lot of camping in campgrounds along that route we pretty much did pull-offs through this portion here and uh there are lots of pull-offs to stay at and that wasn't a problem for us at all but there are some of those provincial campgrounds and there are some places to actually camp if you prefer a campground Mm -hmm. um well, I just had this this oh, yeah. memory that I had to put in the show notes that the first rest area that we stopped at on this route, we didn't stay at this one, but it was called the Rabid Grizzly Rest Area. And I was all I could think about when we were there was how did this rest area get its name? I thought we stayed overnight there. I don't think we did. Did we? Oh, maybe we did I, say we, we did, did stay overnight. We, we did, did stay overnight. overnight. Yeah. Yes, because... Yeah. We, we wondered if we were going to discover whether or not, <laughs> really find out for ourselves why it was named this. Um, but I want to go back about like all of the the pull-offs on here. And I, I think for anyone traveling up to Alaska, you know, 
being as self-contained as we were with the solar and the battery power. And you're also experiencing longer days at this point. You're, you're running. By the time we got up to white horse um, here on this discussion, it was staying dark until 1130 midnight. And even then it was never fully getting to that, that dark pitch black before the sun was coming back up again. And so when you have, when you're self-contained like this with the solar and the batteries and, you know, you've got enough fresh water, being able to utilize all of these pull-offs and how many of them they are, and they really are designed to have you stop and stay the night on this route. I think for me, that was some of my favorite stops when we just to be able that freedom. And I've talked about this before, but I just, the freedom of this drive, especially this section of this drive, the freedom of it to just go until we wanted to stop, to have the option to know that if this pull off or this campground isn't going to work, we're going to keep going. And there's eventually going to be something else that will work. And we can keep going because we have this extended daylight. And I just, to me, I I say it over and over and again, but it really was just so freeing. And it reminded me so much of those days before we really had to book and plan everything so far out in advance that, you know, it's harder and harder now to just go. And crossing into this section of Canada and crossing into Alaska felt like the old days of RVing, the yeah. freedom of that, the thing that we loved so much about it when we got going. And I do, I go back to it again and again. This may have been some of my favorite times on the road during this whole trip. Yeah. And it was, um, a lot of people want to know which way is better. And I think, uh, I, I think it, they both have their benefits, but I think it, sure. it, in the end, it was kind of worth it to do both to like go up one route and come back the other route yeah. to sort of have a, a sense of what both are, are like the Stuart Cassiar gets, um, it gets like down to no marked lanes for a while in some spots and, you know, down to 40 miles an hour or whatever it is in kilometers. And, um, you're, you're, taking your time and going a little bit slower, slower might be a little bit windier in spots than the, the Alaska highway, but nothing treacherous or frightening or anything like that. And in terms of road quality, I think we actually found the road quality to be a little bit better on the Stuart Cassiar than the Alaska highway. I completely agree. And I, you know, we're going to speak a lot from just a small rig perspective on this. So I know that this can feel really different if you're pulling, you know, if we'd been pulling our 43 foot fifth wheel, or if you've got a big giant class a, and I know that from this small, and this is why we went with the Ibex. Small rig with the off-road suspension. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is why we picked that RV because we wanted those roads, we didn't want those roads to be the reason that we were miserable the entire time. And often we would come back into the rig and there would just be maybe a few things that had moved, which would just blow my mind. Yeah. Because if that had been the Sabre or if that had been, um, you know, the Pioneer or even the bus to some extent... Well, well, you're the bus, and I, I could imagine anybody in a motorhome. You know, you're hearing every single bump and stuff. Yeah, going down oh, the road. stressful, stressful. I, I, I understand the stress that might be involved with that. And this is the section. Uh, you know, you're north enough now in, on either of these routes. This is where you start to see the road issues, where there's the yeah. frost heaves, which is where frost over the winter alters the road and they're marked pretty well. Um, but if you, you know, if you hit them at a high speed, it's, you're not going to enjoy that. Well, and Um, that's why we talk about over and over again, like slow down. You're going to hear us say this through this entire section of Canada, through the entire time in Alaska and all the way back, slow down. There was no reason to have people at times passing us at 65, 70 miles an hour. Yeah. No reason. I, I I will take that to my grave. And I think those are the people that end up having problems with their rigs and things well, breaking. Because I mean, we passed one guy and, later on on the I, side of the road. I, I think a part of it, I think I've talked about this before, but I think a part of it is 
people that really want to have full hookup campgrounds and I don't blame you, Mm -hmm. um, but you have reservations along the way and you're, you're trying to book to get to them and, oh my gosh, the road is slowing you down and it's, I'm not going to get there till 10 o'clock. It's going way slower than you thought it was going to be. Um, you, you just can't travel up to Alaska at the speeds that you think you would travel throughout anywhere else in the U S. So you, you really have to make this journey a part of the trip. It can't all be about hustling to get to Alaska. Um, and, and then spending all your time in Alaska and it's, you don't want to do that anyway, because there's some wonderful stuff on the way up. But yeah. And you know, I think that we, we experienced that from both ends because going there, we took our time leaving. We hustled out and we missed so much. There were so many places we wanted to stop and see that we we couldn't because we just we had to go. We were having to drive longer days, longer hours, more miles. It was really, really exhausting. I mean, by the you know by the time we got back and doing twelve twelve days, thirty five hundred miles, when we got back into the states, we were we were done. It was days before I felt like a human being again. And that would have really stunk if I had gotten up to Alaska and felt that way and felt that way and needed those days to recover from all that driving. Now that's just us. I mean, you could be someone who loves driving and you know, is like I could drive for 22 out of 24 hours. That's great. I guarantee you it's still going to catch up with you. Do it two weeks in a row. (laughs) It's going to catch up with you. So, you know, this is, um, Another, and I'm getting off topic, but I have to ask this question. Would you, if you owned a class A, because I, this is a, an RV experience outside of owning Bussy, which I still think is different that we've never really had. Would you do a class A by yourself up to Alaska in the same way that we did with Bexy? Or would you do a class A and feel better doing uh, like a, a caravan with other oh, class A's that are I, scheduled I, I, into... I think I would always feel better no matter what rig I was in um, going with other people on this route. But yeah, I that wouldn't cut me out of doing it all together if that wasn't an option. I think there's there's still plenty of services. There are plenty of people along the route. And now that, you know, Starlink is an option and you, you if you need roadside assistance, you can set up Starlink and and figure out getting somebody to you there there are services there are people that can help you out uh, along the route there are the one issue i have with something like a class a is that it is you know a bit more specialized and harder to get work done on something if something really bad goes wrong the windshield is always or, or the not, thing that makes not, me not just a class a but any motorhome really mm-hmm. even class c motorhomes so often they're on like a truck or van chassis that there might be more parts available yeah. And, stuff for. and I'm not saying this because I think class A's are inferior to this trip. It was just, there was something that you had said earlier. I think class A's are, are awesome. It's just something you said earlier made me think about the majority of caravans that we saw, like the, the lead tour caravans, the majority of rigs that were participating in that were, were class A's with the occasional like smaller or travel trailer, smaller yeah. rig thrown in. And I was just thinking, is there something in that, you know, in that class A community where a trip like this feels better guided because you know you're going to be with a large number of class A's for the most part. And, you know, there's sort of like this comfort in numbers, especially if yeah. a part is needed. Or, you know, is it just that maybe making a journey like this in a rig where like you just pointed out parts can be harder to get that crack in the windshield is a much bigger deal repair wise than it is the crack in the windshield that the truck endured whether it was a big class a or like our fifth wheel i think i would have just been a little bit more careful of the routes i probably wouldn't have taken the road up to chicken and you know gone down that that you wouldn't have done 27 miles of unending just no. Washboard. But we'll talk, to that, on, we'll talk another, about that on another but, time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, again, I'm just curious because I, this is, a, we've only done this once. We've only done it with the rig that we've had. Yeah. It makes me think about return journeys and because we do want to return someday. It probably, by the time we get back up there, won't be with the Ibex. 
And it just makes me think the perspective of what would we want to take up there next time, you know, if it was just the two of us. Yeah. I mean, I I would love to be in like a a four-wheel drive B van would be Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But I would love to hear from anyone who has made the journey up to Alaska in something that wasn't you know, similar to what we took up there. And I would love to know what your experience was and how that went for you and if you would do it again. So, you know, feel free to leave a comment in the group or here on YouTube if you're watching and just share with us your Alaska experience from a traveling perspective. I think most of it sounds worse than it is, you know, and and really the challenge is about it being so remote. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about the terrible roads because there's terrible roads everywhere. It's really more about the remoteness of places. Yes. And and that. I think one of the biggest comments we had about the roads, and then we can move on from talking about the highway, is that often we said, how is this any different than this highway in this state that we've driven? For people, especially for RVers and especially for full timers, when you have been just crisscrossing all over, you know, the U.S., you start to be like, wow, this really reminds me of, you know, <laughs> like uh, I-70 in Kansas City through heading into Kansas or, you know, any of these highways where it's bumpy, there's potholes. I mean, my gosh, anyone who's driven down into Louisiana, what is that, five, ten, what is? Five, uh, it, it's ten. It's ten. Ten, ten is the... Yeah. yeah. If you've been on 10, you've been to Alaska. Actually, if you've been on 10, you've had roads worse <laughs> than what we encountered for the most part in Alaska. So I think um, I, I definitely think Stuart Cassiar is is highly worth taking. Yes. Um, so we did end up meeting with the Alaska Highway at Watson Lake. They come together and we took that on the rest of the way to to the town of Whitehorse, the capital, again, as we mentioned, of Yukon territory and it's not territory anymore, but they call it that it's the Yukon. Uh, the, the town of Whitehorse, it's a, it's a decent sized town. There's lots of restaurants. Oh yeah. There's it's super cool. Big grocery stores. Like we said, places to get oil changes and car washes and, and all that sort of stuff. It's a place to spend a decent amount of time. We didn't spend a ton of time our first time there, we spent three nights. We I spent think. three nights. We celebrated Henry's tenth birthday while we were there, which was a ton of fun in this campground. That um, I'm pretty sure we were as close to Jamie and Clay in this one as we were in San this Francisco. Was tight. This was so the, the, <laughs> this was in a 25 foot RV. These spots they put us into was it was tight we stayed at a place called pioneer park and this is this is like a perfect example of when people um really want pull-throughs because they think pull-throughs are easier Mm -hmm. sometimes pull-throughs are not sometimes pull-throughs are terrible and this Mm -hmm. is an example of that but this is a place where we were crammed in like sardines to be in these full hookup sites in the front of the park where we could have good Starlink access. Yeah. Now this park is, so it's called Pioneer RV Park. And um, a lot of people stay there. Lots of ca- caravans stopping there on their way up to Alaska. This park also has some really nice spots in the back section of the park. But you just, I, I don't think they're full hookup. I think they're just water and electric. Yeah. And you don't have Starlink access because there's lots of trees, which, you know. If for, you're working if and you're you working, need to work, you, you, you got to get it done. Yeah, that was, I think it was a challenge why we ended up where we ended up was because it was a challenge for them to even find three nights. Either it was three nights with us next to each other or just three nights in general because of the fact that especially down there where it's the pull-throughs, it's it's just a constant stream of the caravan tours that have come through and they have booked. Yeah. And so they and they book so many of these spaces and we literally rolled in. We didn't have a reservation. So whether or not that's on us, it still worked out, but we rolled in. Yeah. And we opted to see because we I, knew I think that we if called, it didn't, I yeah. think we called earlier in the day or the night before or something. And they had said, yeah, yeah. we can, we yeah. can probably, you know, fit yeah. you in, but they didn't, um, it wasn't like, these are your sites. Yes, we've got you. Everything's yeah. fine. When we got there, I think you guys went in and had to kind of try to work with them and figure out like, how can we get well, spots for a 25 foot and a 30 foot RV. Yeah, it was it kind of it was fine. We didn't have an yeah. issue except oh, for no, that totally there was fine. there was sewage on the ground. 
That that oh, was the yes, issue. There was sewage was... on the ground on Jamie and Clay's site, so we um, were contemplating, you know, moving and stuff. And I think maybe they did move sites, and but you're still next to next to the site, and they had to come clean that up and stuff because yeah, somebody the... somebody had somebody's RV had an had an accident. Yeah, it was um, not, it was not good. But um. anyway, this you know this was nothing special. Like there's going to be some of this type of stuff if you're staying at the full hookup campgrounds on the way up to Alaska and in Alaska. There's going to be stuff that's not great that's crammed together, and and you know I know that's what a lot of people are getting, trying to get away from when they go to camp and when they go to Alaska. But that's a lot of the full hookup stuff. It's just not going to be like that. Yeah, it's not going to be like that. And you know, it was still great though because again, full hookups an opportunity to do some nice flushing of those tanks and you know to take all those showers and and get all the things washed there was laundry on site so it was really a, a lovely opportunity to be able to get all of that done and get reset because we were headed back out into some do some remote camping again and it was very very affordable you know that was another thing i think we should mention is that for the most part all of the campgrounds through canada were incredibly affordable you know, a place like this in the States would still be charging us 80, 90. I mean, yeah, my gosh, ridiculous. think about what we paid in San Francisco, yeah. right? Yeah. They know that people need to come here. This is a yeah. primo stop, yeah. you know, and there are a couple other campgrounds in uh, the in Whitehorse as well that they could be charging astronomical prices. They're not. And for what we paid, it felt really great to be able to do our laundry, to have those full hookups, to have access to the town, and and to just reset and celebrate Henry's birthday. You know, another campground option, this is a place we stayed at on the way back, because mm-hmm. we did stop in Whitehorse on the way back as well, and you probably will too. Um, we stayed at the High Country uh, Campground, which is a little bit more woodsy. You are still packed in tight there. Yes. And there's no sewer, but there is a dump station. So it was just water and electric. Yeah. They backed us right up to the playground. Like, I mean, we were six feet from the playground by the time we got back seat in there. And Starling. It was better than parked up against something else. I'll take it. It was great. The kids, I mean, especially if this had been in early days of RVing to let those littles go right out the door into the playground. It's beautiful. And uh, Starlink was a real issue for us yeah. here, uh, but again, we were able to get some laundry done and you know, kind of refuel before we continued on through. Uh, yeah, this Canada. Is, this place is kind of cool because it had a bunch of old like Canadian military vehicles, mm-hmm. um, just sort of rusting out there. That was kind of cool to walk it's through. It's busy. There too, because in addition to all the RVers that are coming and going, they're also a pickup point for renting yes. RVs. Yeah. So that's one so, option. You can a lot of people do that. They'll fly to Whitehorse mm-hmm. um, or further into Alaska or something and pick up a rental RV. Yeah. Instead of driving all the way up there. Yeah. So that the campground is really busy with a lot of uh, a lot of movement happening in, happening in the campground, and we were actually right across from where all of the rentals get picked up. So that was kind of cool to see just how busy they were with people coming in to get RVs and then continue on into Alaska. But if you are going to stop for a few days, there are some things that you can consider. And these are things that we did on either the way up or the way back. So Mm -hmm. we're going to kind of combine them together a couple uh, recommendations for things to do and places to eat. Um, One thing we really enjoyed was hiking around the Miles Canyon area. And this was really neat because you cross a suspension bridge Mm -hmm. to get to most of these trails across a a deep canyon uh, that boats go through and stuff. But it is a, 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 a deep cut river canyon with with steep cliff walls and um the trails on this it wasn't it's kind of an island but not really across this bridge uh there are many and varied trails of different color difficulties and and difficulties it was very confusing to know which trail you were on and we were trying to we were using all trails yeah and trying to go off that and um well i think what it was is they had the trails labeled like you have ski trails labeled mm -hmm. with like blue square a black diamond a green circle for the difficult difficulty levels but then on top of that crisscrossing all those trails 
they had cross country ski trails. Yeah. So it all got very confusing. Then there was the, which ended up being like the orange trail and the green trail. And it was very confusing, but we were able to figure out, you know, at least where we were and just kind of wandered and tried to make it work. And, uh, but we found our way back and it was, it was totally fine. It was beautiful. Uh, Like glacier water on the river. It gorgeous. Beautiful day too. We had some stunning weather. I mean, just, this whole trip, I, I can't really think, once we got really into Canada and into Alaska and everything, I cannot think of weather that, that hampered anything for us, Yeah, be that rain or heat or, I mean, it was just, the weather was so charming. It And, and I know we lucked out because going up north, and so we'll talk about later into Alaska as, a, as opposed to doing the south first. We missed what a lot of you experienced, which was rain, 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 rain. Um, we almost had no rain the whole no, whole darn trip. No, it was just really, like, yeah. so welcoming. Like, welcome, explore our area, drive our roads. Like, it was so, so great. So downtown Whitehorse has lots of kitschy restaurants and stuff and unique places to eat and explore. They have a great park. Uh, for the yes. kids to play out right down on the waterfront, so you can go view the waterfront. There's lookouts and stuff. Um, there's an old riverboat that you can check out. Lots of different little things to do down there. Yeah, there's a um, Park Canada's uh, site there. That's what the mm-hmm. riverboat is. So if that's something that you really want to try to do as well, this is this is a great place for it. But we uh, we basically ate food and drank beer. So here's some recommendations yeah. <laughs> for, for eating. Uh, Abby and I went to burnt toast cafe for lunch, which was really good uh, for a brunch, for brunch. Uh, which was really good brunch food, but no reservations. And we had to wait a long time. We did one of those types of places, but it was, it was definitely very, very good. Um, Woodcutters blanket restaurant and brewery. This was, this is kind of like a log cabin looking restaurant. And there's an outdoor eating area where you just sort of like look over the road in front of you. And we sort of mm-hmm. ate out there in this outdoor eating uh, area with, with really good food. Oh, man. And, uh, so good. They made killer French 75 for me. And you had a whiskey flight. Yes. And it was. It was an excellent oh, whiskey flight. Oh, it was flight. so good. And the food was really great. And again, I think that they take reservations. We did not have one. It's a really popular spot. Small. So, and very small. Oh, yeah. I wish we had been able to sit at the bar. Yeah. The bar the, looked like there's walk, two points of this restaurant. When you walk by it, the outdoor area looks so cool. Like you want to sit on the yeah. outdoors. But then when you sit out there, you're like, I'm just looking at a road and some <laughs> ugly businesses across the street. Just and it's looking not at this, that great. This yeah. dental shop like, yeah, across yeah, the street. Yeah. But the, there's. The restaurant looks like it's been added on over the years. There's a much newer looking side. And then where the bar is, is like really old, dark woods and very cabiny. And uh, it's it's really, it's a cool place. I would say if you only had time for one stop off of everything that we recommend here, that would be my pick yeah. to, to go here. Uh, and then Abby and I had a really nice dinner. This is more fancy place at Tony's Pasta Steak and seafood. God, I love it. It's just so, it's so basic um, Italian it, name. It's, it's a very basic Italian name, but actually the restaurant was really beautiful inside yeah. and, and sort of modern and hip feeling a little bit, I think. The and, wine was delicious. And what I yeah. loved the most about it is that they had um, a lot of gluten-free options. So if you are someone who is trying to avoid gluten, or perhaps you're trying to avoid gluten and dairy, this would be a really great option for you. And they're very, very accommodating um, to dietary needs. So that's why we picked this place. I want to point out, because we're we're literally talking about four places. This did happen over the course of the two visits. Yeah. Like, I want to make it clear, like, we, we didn't just roll up on our first trip into Whitehorse and just literally be like, bye, Henry. Happy birthday. We're going here to eat. We're going. We did make sure that Henry had Domino's for his birthday because that's what the that's kid what wanted. That's what he wanted. That kid loves Domino's. He loves pizza in general. He loves pizza, but he loves Domino's, yeah. which is like my least favorite but anyway last place that <laughs> so we're gonna the talk last about. place is not really a restaurant but it is a brewery they don't really have food there they have you can get like cheese and crackers and mm-hmm. stuff but mm-hmm. it's winter long brewing company uh but they had really really excellent beer yeah that was a 
another. I just the food scene in general was yeah. was pretty pretty solid. It was, it was pretty great in it White was, Horse. I I liked the town of I White mean, Horse a lot. In we even we even summer. rolled up into an A and W. We like, did. You know, A and Ws. I gotta tell you, are a little bit different in Canada. There's a lot of A and Ws in yes, Canada. Yes, there are. And they're a little bit different than than the U.S. And I'm not sure I like them. For one thing, they don't serve hot dogs, oh, which I think is they? I know I know, but it's a little weird. Like uh, I think that's one thing a lot of people go to A and W for. And also, like they don't have they don't really celebrate the root beer. Like a lot of A and Ws, you get you get like <laughs> how dare they not they celebrate have, like, the root beer? Separate fountain, you yes. know, that has is like the barrel, and you can go fill it yourself. And here, you couldn't even fill it yourself or anything. Does and, anyone actually go to A and W for the food? I, think, I mean, isn't a, I mean, isn't the whole point of going to an A and W for the root beer? I mean, yeah. that's it's that's what it was built on. I don't like root beer, well, so see, I can't speak to this. But for me, like we never had Sonic around here. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, so A and W was the place that you would go for a hot dog or a root beer. Okay. Like, and most fast food restaurants didn't have root beer either. Sure. Like, or it wasn't good root beer. Or uh, yeah. hot dogs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you want a hot dog from, and we're just talking fast food here. You go to Sonic, although I would yeah. argue, I don't know what's going on at Sonic over these I, last few years, but boy, are they making me sad. Actually, they make me sad now. I don't like Sonic's hot dogs. Oh, I've I decided mean, I don't like them. You know what I love from you gotta Sonic? You got to go to Wiener Schnitzel's where you got uh, No, the chili cheese tots from Sonic. The, yeah. That's yeah. where it's at. See, I that's, mean, I, well, I always get the chili cheese yeah. dog and I leave disappointed thinking I should have got yeah. the chili you cheese just, tots. There's no point anymore ordering anything else at Sonic. You just get... The chili cheese tots. Get yourself a nice big soda, and you're good to go. Good to go. You come back, and it's midnight. You eat that, and you're fine. You're fine. Um, if you want to get your oil changed in White Horse, here's a lesson. Uh, everybody else does too. So just pulling up at the oil change place, you're going to be waiting in line for a while. Unless you show up right when they open, which was what Abby thought I should do, and I didn't listen to her, and I showed up an hour later, and I waited in a line of probably had seven vehicles in front of me. On a Saturday. And I said, And and of two lines, like two lines with seven vehicles each in them. I said, it's Saturday, and you should probably get there when they open. The idea of getting up that early just was not interesting to Jason. I don't know if day of the week matters either though, because because it It was all people. It was all travelers. Yeah, it really was. Well, we need, and like us, we needed that oil change before we continued back on. We wanted to make sure and take care of Fordo wanted it to perform well. So that was our trip up to Whitehorse, And we're excited to continue talking about actually getting into Alaska here. But we have next couple weeks. one more. We have one more. We have one, one more Yukon stop. One more Yukon stop, which was. I'm so excited to talk about. Probably my second favorite place in Canada. Yeah. Dawson oh, you, City. You came out of it with a t-shirt. That's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. I came so. out of several places with a t-shirt. Well, I so. think that that's how we know when yeah. you like a place yeah. is when Jason buys well, a t-shirt. I didn't t-shirt. get one in Stewart and I wish I'd had. Yeah, well, maybe we can yeah. find you one for our return trip. That was just going to have to go back now, Jason. So Dawson City is going to be sort of gold rushy town fun. and uh, Old-timey, we, y'all. We did a decent amount of stuff there, so we're excited about talking about that. Yes. Pro- probably next week. I don't know. We haven't decided what we're talking are about we next week. Come back next, are we coming back next week? <laughs> is this going to be a weekly podcast? <laughs> Who knows? Will it still be in the kitchen? Who knows? Who knows? Probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll check the level of our tank. All right, we'll be right back. You know, when I was a kid, one of the best Christmases ever, I remember my dad bringing out a brand new bicycle into the living room when I was like seven years old. What's the adult version of that? What's the way that you can deliver that best gift ever affect this holiday season? Well, you can still do it with a bike. Electric e-bikes will impress even the hardest person to shop for on your list. There are lots of e-bikes to choose from out there. But there's only one Electric XP, the best-selling e-bike in America. It's the perfect gift for the explorer, the eco-warrior, or the parent on your list. Or just as a treat for yourself. And starting at just $749, these e-bikes are friendly on your wallet. Plus, you can get hundreds of dollars in free accessories when you purchase this holiday season at electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E bikes.com. 
Welcome back. It is time to check the level of our tanks. Sponsored by Matt's RV Reviews, liquefied RV toilet treatment, the no BS toilet treatment. You can find it in our Amazon store at amazon.com slash shop slash RV miles. Okay, Jay, what is in your black tank this week? So many boxes. When you buy all the furniture for an apartment at once, and it's especially if it's put together furniture, like furniture you have to put together, uh, it all comes in boxes. And holy cow, there's been our lives have been cardboard, cardboard, cardboard. <laughs> and it's sad because there's nowhere to recycle it. Uh, there, well, there used to be somewhere in there my is, life. We have to drive about a half hour to get to it. There oh used to be God, a what? great recycling here and it's gone. It's there used to be a big, you know, sort of drop off recycling and they've took it out entirely. Oh, then all these, all this cardboard is getting loaded up in the yeah, back yeah, of the truck. No, I'm gonna drive half hour. That's to where the plan. We no, go. no, okay. it's all, it's all at the, it's all by the campground in Davenport that we stayed at. Oh, I didn't know before. that they did. Yeah, cardboard there's a, there. there's a whole big recycling oh, yeah, area, okay. not in the campground. There's up the road from it. There's okay. a big recycling area. So okay. we're we're gonna load all these boxes. We have tons of uh, still to take uh, to recycling, and there's, a, I mean, there's a lot. I, yeah, I can't so say a lot anymore, but I have no way of quantifying the number of boxes, but it's, it's a lot. If cardboard um, boxes were like, I think they are really the uh, resemblance. Uh, they are mirroring our life right now. Like these cardboard boxes and all the thousands of little pieces in each box. I feel like the chaos of the cardboard box is very much yeah. like what the chaos of yeah. this environment right now. So the the part of the reason for those boxes is my uh Oh yes, you're fresh tank. So we'll I... move on to that. The the, yes. the the vast majority of these boxes come from IKEA. And I feel like we owe IKEA an apology. Because I am fifty percent with you. We on were this. really upset with them over prices the last time we visited. And the, I will say the prices are still high for lots of things. And if you compare it to going to like a lot of the furniture's stores out there, like Ashley or whatever, where we bought our couch from, mm-hmm. where where the stuff is going to be put together already and delivered to your door. Glorious. The, the pricing at Ikea on a lot of things like sofas is not very good. But the pricing on others was manageable. And we were able to, we, Abby and I went to Ikea Spent a lot of money, but not anywhere near as much money as one would think to outfit our entire apartment with uh, probably 80% of the furniture came from Ikea. Can I just say, though, and I do think that Ikea was listening to that episode of the RV Miles (laughs) podcast. I fully believe that representatives from Ikea heard us because... When we went back, and this is, I know you want to apologize to Ikea, but I just, I want to make it very clear that we went to Ikea because they had slashed prices. It, a lot of a, everything yeah, we bought was 25 yeah. to 50% off. So they listened and they heard that it's ridiculous that you want me to pay $150 for this little side table that you're going to make me go home and now, put together for 45 minutes. There, there's the problem. Is 45 minutes, it, no, that's laughable. There's nothing I've put together in 45 well, minutes. I was, that's the, a the, little side table. The problem is, well, I'm talking our nightstands. Oh, our I know. nightstands, so case in point, we two nightstands for our bedroom. They're some of the hardest things I've had to put together with the most parts here. You would think that they would, you know pre-assemble some of it and still be able to oh, flat pack. Gosh, no. There is not a single part on any of these things put together. I mean, we've done dealt with plenty of Ikea and the f- furniture in the past. Usually we bought one item at a time. This time <laughs> yeah. we went, we drove up to Ikea, just Abby and I with the truck and we went oh, through the here. store and we, you know, we kind of pre-knew a lot of the things we we're going to buy in advance. Mm-hmm. We did some shopping online first but, you know, you go through the store with a cart. Mm-hmm. We filled that cart up. And then the furniture stuff, you have to go pick yourself from the warehouse. And we probably spent an hour and a half just pulling the furniture in the warehouse. We had three carts. We had three flatbed carts, carts full, loaded. full. And then there was the heavy stuff, the kids' bunk beds, which are like a bunk bed 
uh, dresser desk in one type thing. Um, they they had to pull those for us with a forklift, <laughs> and so we had a whole pallet of stuff. So we had three flatbed carts, a pallet, <sighs> and uh, a regular cart full. And we we got to the truck and we're like, "Do uh, uh-uh. is this, this is like is this, this is when happen? I shine." I was like, "This gonna play. happen? <laughs> no, this gonna work." I said to you, "This is gonna happen. This is gonna work. This is where I shine. This is Tetris. Let's go!" And we and we did it. We, we did, did it. it. Yeah. We got it all in there. Yeah. And you know what? Not only did we do it, we didn't have to. We didn't have to unpack and repack once. Yeah. We were we were really methodical thing, about it. They were yes, heavy they were boxes. very heavy. We were very methodical about it. We knew we had plenty of ways to secure everything. We, you know, it was it totally worked out. It took another hour to do that. Yeah. Um. But I'll tell you what, we were looking a lot better than that Subaru that oh, was next there to was, us. The, Whoa! If you want to have Whoa. an enjoying day, go just go to IKEA, buy a couple, you know, get some washcloths or whatever, like the cheap stuff. Go have some, go have some lunch, have some Swedish meatballs, <laughs> so, so and then soft. just they've got some benches there outside. You could just hang out outside, uh, you know, mid afternoon and watch people load up their cars. This it is amazing. Couldn't close its trunk. So it was, it's like a hatchback. It couldn't close yeah. it. So it's like trying to strap that all down to keep things it's in. It's always the hatchbacks it's that so- they can fit more than they can. You know, they're like, like oh, I'm you- not, it's a hatchback. I, I like, can fit a lot of stuff in here. You're not a TARDIS. <laughs> and so, you know, they're like trying to just try it. They're, it really looked like an adult figure with a, a kid going off to college that were together trying to get everything they needed in order to head off to university or that they had (laughs) discovered that they had gotten there and whoa we got nothing and so they're trying to help furnish this new apartment because everything was very much in that vein and they were like we will get all of it in here and at one point she's just standing there holding this pillow this little throw pillow and you could see the look of sadness on her face because she's like I don't have anywhere for this throat, there's like literally the throw pillow is like about to be sacrificed because there's I, just I imagine nowhere. a lot of stuff gets returned immediately at IKEA because they well, don't have a place for it. We thought the, about doing uh, it. The little coop, little two door coop yeah. next to us that tried to buy a desk, yeah, and was trying to get it into this little two door coop. No, and the desk was fully assembled because they must have <laughs> they had bought it. I think over in the you know the secondhand uh, section yeah. of IKEA, uh, they they tried for forty five minutes. To the majority of the time that we were uh, packing up, they tried so hard to figure out how to get this desk, which you just look at this car and you're like, this desk is not going in. But they were not going to give up. They finally had to give up. They returned it on the way out. <laughs> the guy says to Jason, he's like, that is a really nice looking truck. And I really wish I had one of those. How much did you pay for that? <laughs> so then we had to drive two and a half hours back here and then haul all oh, of these God. giant heavy boxes up a flight of stairs. We did. Um, it we did was, it. And then put it all together. So we've, over the last many days, been putting furniture together. And it seems nonstop. Most pieces of furniture take like three hours to put together, mm-hmm. no matter their size. Uh, and it's going slow, but it's going. We've got our living room done. done. We've got our kitchen done. We've got our bedroom most of the way there, and next is the kids' bedrooms, which I've been afraid of because those, (laughs) I mean... We we will not see Jason. There were six. (laughs) There were the biggest boxes, and each of them, each of the two bunk beds had six boxes. So I... Jason does all of this. Bless him. He puts it all together because I tried to put. (laughs) She tried to put together a little fabric stuffed animal tower. (laughs) And about a third of the way through it, I'm like, Jason, I'm going to throw this thing out the window. (laughs) I was like, I'm done with this. And I, I said, I don't, I don't have the patience. So when Jason goes to tackle those bunk beds we will just shut the door i will randomly leave food at the door <laughs> and water and you know and let him he's been binging the 007 um daniel craig's movie yeah i only got one left um, though I, only, that's only like I two hours i'm gonna, I'm gonna 
You need to watch something else, something that I don't want to watch, because I haven't seen that one yet, yeah. so you have to wait. So anyway, that's Adventures in Ikea. I don't know that we fully owe Ikea an apology, but I will say thank you well, to we, Ikea. Well, we gave for them putting... a lot of money, so yes. I don't think we owe them anything. No, 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 no. But I will say thank you for hearing people and putting stuff on sale. One more thing about Ikea, and then we're going to move on, because I know a lot of our viewers use Ikea um, to buy stuff. If you have that Ikea family, this really ticks me off. So if you have Ikea family, you know you save 5% on everything with that Ikea family. That's going away at the first year. They're, yeah. they're doing away with it. So you will not get that discount anymore. There's if- a store associate just told us this. And yes. it, it, it seems like what they're doing is getting rid of that and then doing like specific. I think it's going to be a thing like when you go to the grocery store, if you want to buy sale items, you have to be, you know, a their, their member. Their member. Those high V perks like are not perks. Yeah. Get out of here with that high V. Yeah. So that was another reason why we went because we got this 5% discount and it was quite significant because we spent quite Because you don't get it online and no. there's not free shipping. So no. that would have been a lot. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So we went and did that. And so we had the discounted prices, the sale that they had going on on top of the 5% as well, because it doesn't matter if the thing's on sale or not, they give you the 5%. So that's all going away at the first of the year. So, you know, Ikea continues in my mind to maybe not be as uh, budget friendly anymore. As they once be. As they once were. As they once were. So, all right. Okay, what is in your black tank this week? Well, I will keep this short because we just spent 27 years talking about Ikea, but I just want to tell, um, I'm just going to spin a tale of Halloween in the Midwest because this is Halloween in the Midwest, okay? It was snowing. It was like 30 degrees. All these poor children, it had been beautiful leading up to Halloween, but it never fails. I, I can't, 2010 is the last time I can recall a Halloween living in the Midwest where it was nice. Well, we've spent most of our Halloweens outside of the Midwest since then. No. I mean, we would have had 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and all. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. We had a lot of Halloweens before we yeah. got on the road. Um. It's freezing, so this is my black tank. Halloween, you know, Mother Nature, get it together. Like, it's cold. These poor children, they all put these little costumes together. They're so excited to wear them, and they are given two choices. Either I freeze and I wear this, or I wear it and I have to put all of my winter gear on over it, and then no one gets to see my cool costume because I'm dressed like I'm going sledding. So... Our kids, you know, Ethan was a dinosaur again, uh, like he was last year, and he was bundled up underneath, but then he was fogging over because... He couldn't see out the plastic window. Because it was fogging over. Um, Anyway, so the weather, black tank, the worst. What's your fresh tank? My fresh tank goes to the neighbors, like four down from my in-laws, who, when you come up, they have full-size candy bars for the kids, and then they looked at Jason and I, and they were like, y'all walking or y'all driving? And we're like, oh, we're walking with the kids. Because it was so cold, a lot of people were uh, yeah, driving. Yeah, listen, a lot, of, a lot of parents were following along in the minivan. They were yeah. just like, no, I'm not here for this. You have to, yeah. you go. So we're like, well, we're walking. And then the guy was like, you want a beer? And I was like, <laughs> uh, Yeah. And so the neighbors were like, here's full-size candy bars for the kiddos. But, you know, but grown-ups, we haven't forgotten about you. Here's a beer. And, of course, quintessential Midwest beer, Miller Lite. He's like, here's a Miller Lite for you. Have a great day. And so fresh take to those neighbors for just being really cool. We'll be back next year. There was another another (laughs) house where they had like a – uh, a fireball oh, punch, yes. punch for adults, but they had ran out. She was already out. Yeah. It was only so Halloween in this in Milan in our our new town was from five to eight, and by six o'clock this woman she was out of the fireball whiskey <laughs> punch thing she was serving. So she was trying to cook up some more in her crock pot. So a lot of fun. The neighborhoods really get into it. I hope that next year maybe the weather is a little bit more cooperative so that all of these kiddos who work so hard and the and the grown-ups who work really hard to make these costumes happen get to all go out and really enjoy their costumes and get to see everyone because nobody wants to trick-or-treat the mall. 
I mean, no, nobody, no, we don't. I I would if the mall, like our last mall tricking trick or treating experience was fun because they had events and stuff. Yeah, it was, but, but it was still it was outside. Like, but it was also like all the stores clearly, like the mall provided the candy or like mm-hmm. the so all of the stores had the same candy yes and they like they had entertainment and that was a lot of fun but it was an outside mall and it still felt yeah. really festive and you were out you know i just to me here to be able to go to house to house and all the houses were so decorated and it's just as much fun i think sometimes for the grown-ups to hand out the candy as it is for the kids to come up and get some, you know, we get to see neighborhood people and all everybody dressed up and everybody out and about. And it's a chance to talk to people and have a little bit of community. And boy, it would be really nice. We, the kids lasted maybe, maybe 30, 40 minutes. And then they were just, they were freezing. Their hands were cold. It was just miserable. So next year I expect mother nature to cooperate a little bit more (laughs) okay that's it for this week's episode of the rv miles podcast yes it is thank you so much for joining us and hey we have one favor to ask of you if you have made it all the way to the end of the show will you please if you are listening to this head over to apple podcast and leave rv miles a five-star review that review is helping to put us in front of a whole new generation of listeners. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking some time to do that. If you are watching this on YouTube, would you consider please hitting that like button? If you're not subscribed to the channel, why don't you stick around and subscribe to the channel and join us for future episodes? Those two actions as well tell YouTube that this is content that you value and that they should also share this content with other RVers out there in the YouTube community. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that as well. Any questions for Jason and I, of course, you can come over to the RV Miles Facebook group. You can talk to us there or do email us at editor at rvmiles.com. All right, folks, until next week, please stay warm, stay healthy, and keep logging those RV Miles. Bye, everybody. Bye.